You're about to listen to youth-produced content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin Cities social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. Learn more at www.listenupyouthradio.org. This episode originally aired in August 2018. Hi, I'm Chino. And I'm Ijoma. And this is First Gen, where we talk about political and social issues and everything else in between. So today, we're firstly going to be talking about our experience with being in a predominantly white school in the suburbs of Egan, Minnesota. Well, while being minorities. Yep, that is an important factor to this discussion. (laughs) Um, More specifically, we wanted to talk about the school curriculum that we've seen in these schools um, and how they should be changed because the way we are learning about um, slavery and the way we're taught about colonization Mm -hmm. is very vague and only teaches the beginning of each story and does not look at the whole lesson in particular. We should give like a little bit of like a demographic background of our school. So we go to Egan High School um, where... I'm, I'll am i speak for myself on this one, but the only black student in the class, as I'm sure you're the only Latina student in, in the, the class. class. Classrooms, like AP classrooms. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been like that for a very long time, and our administration acts like they want to do something, but they usually don't. <laughs> so that's just a little bit of a background and like, just like the surface of the problem. But yeah, school curriculum. So specifically, uh, so last year when you're in 10th grade, you always have to read To Kill a Mockingbird. And usually the excuse is that you read that book in those classrooms so you can learn about history. Racism, learn Learn about, yeah. yeah. Isn't it just so ironic, though, that we learn about racism from a white man? I just, (laughs) that's just crazy to me. Well, it's also like, they believe that To Kill a Mockingbird, we all know, has the N-word repeated throughout the book. Yeah, unnecessarily. Like, it doesn't (laughs) add anything. It actually is added in ways that makes no sense. No sense. (laughs) And just, like, random sentences. Um, Like, the author got trigger-happy with the Mm -hmm. N-word. But what should be focused uh, when it comes to those types of books in a high school classroom is... The sort of the trauma. Dis- the also, like, the discussion. I guess this is another, like, background, but our school, um, since it is predominantly white, um, thought it was a great idea to hand out N-word um, pamphlets to talk about it <laughs> while also giving our class of white students the option to vote on whether or not they wanted to say the word. True democracy. So, I mean, whether or not we debate if it's a good book or not, just the discussion alone about the book is the complete problem. Exactly. Um, While you usually have to force a conversation in the classroom, uh, Mm -hmm. even when the discussion is actually happening, no one will speak on it. I think it's also just so sad, like, especially being in 10th grade. I mean, what, we're like 15? Yeah. And having to be the only student of color and then also having to defend yourself against one vote against, what, 29? Like, that's just... That's a traumatic experience in itself, especially about a slur that literally is meant to degrade you. Dehumanize you. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. 
also it's just really sad like our friend Sarah she was talking about um, when she first came to our school because she went to a predominantly white no predominantly like mixed school before she came to Egan and she said that um, she actually stopped going to English class because she was so uncomfortable and she is not comfortable speaking up about that which is 100% okay Um, but she was so uncomfortable that she couldn't even go to class right there are students who can't speak out about these things it's just not their personality trait to be outgoing and to Mm -hmm. be assertive in classrooms some like i think something that's also very sad in classrooms is that a lot of times uh people of color or students of color specifically are ignored when they are shy or quiet Mm -hmm. and you know you expect them to be the stereotype of loud and obnoxious um so when POC are quiet in classrooms they never even bother to figure out what is going on what their opinions are in classrooms and it is extremely damaging in situations like Sarah's Mm. where she's not the type of personality to go and speak out in the middle of the classroom but I think also too like with the whole voting thing like if if we had told the teacher like hey this isn't a voting issue they would say (laughs) oh this is you know just a way that we can all be fair but it's kind of like I like I can't go against 30 other kids and also I think they also forget that POC students are students and kids first before you know race or whatever because a lot of kids are still intimidated to speak up because those are kids in their class you know social aspects of high school and just like that a lot of kids don't have a voice because we're in high school so it's just not a fair assessment so do those kind of like I don't know voting issues the whole voting thing is just kind of gross, actually. Or, like, when our teacher sent me home with a blue pamphlet about the N-word, <laughs> like, I needed to make up my mind about the slur. Like, you're the like, pros and cons. You're <laughs> like, here. Here are the pros of using the N-word. <laughs> and here are the cons. I was like, this is ridiculous. Let me put, like, all of racist history in America on a pamphlet. But it's not <laughs> even just, like, the slur, too. It's kind of like imagine being like the only person that looks like you in a class and like constantly reading texts and book and history about how you're supposed to be oppressed and then they look at you to see how you react yeah i was talking about this this morning too um with my mom and she was like this because my mom did not grow up in this country so she does not understand like why this country is like the way it is and i was trying to explain to her (laughs) i was trying to explain to her that like when you're taught over and over again that you have a certain place in society, like you have a certain way you're supposed to act or a certain way you're supposed to remember or do things, it really does ingrain in you that you have a place. And if you don't fit in that mold, that's when things start getting a little crazy. That's when people start judging you, especially in like high school. Cause like high school is like, kids are just mean and they will judge you based off of anything and everything. So, being a person of color in AP classrooms and a predominantly white school in sub in the suburbs in the Midwest, mm-hmm. it's not great. <laughs> no, I think it's absolutely terrible. I um, like if there's one thing I could change about my <laughs> small 17 years of life, I would change my school and my environment. I feel like I'd be 10 times happier because <laughs> I wouldn't have to like be the only kid to speak up in class and then thus having to take on this role 
of being the only kid speaking in class, no one likes you. And then you have this whole other issue too where you like you feel kind of lonely or like you feel like you don't have anyone because you're constantly the only one speaking up and then you get labeled like social justice warrior, won't this girl <laughs> just sh- like shut up and not everything's stu- about race. Not everything's about race. And I was like, <laughs> well, for some reason, this school finds a way to make it everything about race that I always have to address it. Right. Like, And also, it's like, how would you know if anything is or isn't about race if you've never had to address your race ever? Yeah, exactly. Or, it's, yeah, and it's, it goes even deeper than, like, our school curriculum, too, because, like, the ignorance of the kids in our school is unreal. The fact that, like, they use the word gay as like a negative connotation. Oh, yeah. That one bothers me. That one, I've yelled at kids for that one because that really, and it's just things, I don't know. It's annoying. It's, it's like, it's bothering there me. is no need. No. Ugh. But I mean, I also, you know, always have to go to that, you know, I'm not devil's advocate, but I kind of try to understand why these things happen. And it all just kind of comes back to school curriculum because you can't really blame these kids acting the way i mean blame them but you can't really blame them because the way that that's all they know the, the the things they teach in school that you're superior like they teach white children that they are superior <laughs> through our history the europeans colonized everyone successfully <laughs> the europe yeah the europeans built this nation like that's what we're taught and like especially when you know you're rich <laughs> you don't leave your suburbs i mean how else are they supposed to turn out like yeah the nationalism in our school curriculum specifically in like history classes is so <gasps> oh bad do you remember oh my gosh who said this oh my gosh one of our ap teachers he said that there were positive components to racism <laughs> no, no 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 slavery excuse me oh slavery <laughs> he said that like back in to the who? day no he said to the, who <laughs> he said the cotton and the timber and <laughs> the exports Oh I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, like maybe for you. <laughs> this is the problem. Like, there are there were no benefits to slavery. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? As much as people would like to believe that it was better for the economy or whatever, in reality, like, no. where is your moral compass? I know. That's just insane. And they actually teach like that, too. Yeah, I know a teacher was. And he was really, he really, like... Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. Um, and that's like specifically and like jumping right into that, like the lack of POC teachers that we have. Ugh. Yeah. Like this can be talked about forever, but like mm-hmm. POC teachers bring something to the classroom that can't be offered by a white teacher and it's experience and it's relating with kids mm-hmm. who look like are in the classroom. I think it's really interesting, like Whenever we do have these discussions at school and everyone's kind of just like, oh, a teacher's a teacher, you know, we don't see race, we don't see race, like all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of like, but I'm I do. <laughs> and like, I, I seem like I'm the only one who does see it. And I need a teacher to understand that, like, this is something we go through all the time. Right. Like, they think they're doing something. They really think they're, like, doing good. And it's like, well, yeah. I wish I had the choice to be colorblind, you know? I don't get yeah. that choice. That is a privilege of yours it's kind of the same as like having a female teacher if this is like the only way they can understand it because that's very true it's like you sometimes you feel comfortable being around a female teacher than you wouldn't maybe a male teacher right like if you have to go like change your tampon or something you are very comfortable discussing that with a female teacher but if it's a male teacher you're like 
Can I? Um... Or like the experiences <laughs> of being a female, like in this society. But I mean, you know, we're lucky enough that we do have female teachers. But we need to go a little deeper because, like, a black student or a Latina student um, experience being a woman and being a POC On top is that, five yeah. times different. So, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> going a little off track, you know those girls who are like, I know what it's like to be a minority. Ugh. Like, I, I the, understand the sit racism. Down, sit I down at the sexism. Gra- yeah. <laughs> sit down and, like, oh, yeah. I hate white people and like they're <laughs> literally white they look like what are you saying dude what are you saying um but okay going back to the POC teachers it's I understand that there is a lack of um, POC teachers uh, trying to become teachers but the reason why would you ever go back yeah to is <laughs> POC have traumatizing experiences in the school system so why would you ever dream of going back there to teach as a job forever? It takes a lot of willpower. Like honestly, I would never. I become applaud. A teacher. Like, like there's a part of me that's like, we need PLC teachers, you know, to teach the youth. But right. it's also kind of like, my mental health would never allow that. I would never be able to like truly be happy in an environment like that. Especially since I would have to again work with you know. Uh, most likely not a diverse, uh, I don't know, teacher committee. I don't know, but that's just a that's just a lot to take on. You need to be like a saint. Like I just don't know how I could do that. Um, at the District One Ninety Six, like uh, racial panel, I was talking to this uh, black teacher from Apple Valley, I think, mm-hmm. and I brought up this POC teacher thing um, to him, and he agreed with me completely, and he understood. He understands that that trauma that POC students go through is what's preventing um, POC from becoming teachers. But uh, he was saying how we we should look at areas where there is a lack of POC, and if we want change okay. in those areas, should be in those areas. Yeah, and it's like it's hard. It's hard, but it is necessary. Yeah. Like, I personally would never become a teacher, not only no. because of, like, traumatizing experiences, but also I, I wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I but it, yeah, I th- think I would like to be a professor, but <laughs> to work in a public school system, absolutely not. If I was to work in a public school system, this is a thing, though. Like, can we even blame teachers? Because I'm really about to say that if I was to work in a public school system, I would not work in the suburbs, <laughs> which is the reason why I don't have any, like, POC teachers, Right, which is pretty bad. When but we get, like, POC um, subs, substitutes. Uh, oh, it breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, when we had the one, Niger- I had, like, a Nigerian sub, substitute Ooh. in band, uh, but the kids all made fun of her accent, yeah. which is really hard, because I was like, this is how my family talks. Like, this is, n- this isn't. This is home. We, this is, yeah. And I was so happy. I remember I was like, I would go up to her and I would, I would just talk about the, like, <laughs> we didn't, I didn't know her, but I was like, yeah, today in band we're playing blah, blah, blah. Da, da, da. I had never talked to my band teacher. I don't even think he really remembers my name. So. I don't even know who my band teacher was. But um, <laughs> one time I had, in the same day, a black substitute and a Muslim substitute. And wow. I was in shock. I was like, this is what our school should look like. Even a little, please. Yeah. And, like, the one POC teacher we have at our school, 
gets ridiculed like yeah no one takes him seriously and it breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. i love this teacher so much he like the connections we have with each other and like the sort the sense of community i have with him that's actually so true because like our speech coach's dad nigerian man too he substituted and he came up to me because he, he recognized oh, right. my name yeah, right yeah. away. That mm-hmm. just felt so good. Like someone who could pronounce my name. Right. They didn't like, think it was funny. They didn't think it was like a joke that that was my name. You know those conversations uh, white teachers have with white students about like their families or about their hockey game? Like I, I can't have that. I <laughs> never experienced that. But when I had uh, my Spanish teacher who was Latino talk to me about like things I'm interested in and about my mom, I was like, this is what it feels like. Like I feel good. I feel safe. Yeah. I feel happy. Yeah. And it's not fair that no one else gets to experience those things. That's very true. Like, the substitute asked me, he was like, what do you want to do after school? Like, I mean, this is a very Nigerian thing to ask. He was like, law? Uh, doctor? But, like, that's okay for me because that's what I'm used to. Like, it felt nice to talk with someone freely about a culture that I'm Im- immersed with. And I don't know. It just... Yeah, and you would, and like even going deeper than that, if you had a teacher that you could genuinely connect with, you'd be able to talk to them more about your grades right. or your assignments like or what you need help with. Family. Yeah, and it's just kind of things like that that like make it so necessary. And like, so I think this can all like sort of tie into sort of like a systematic problem as well, where it's like, um, you know, these students have relationships with these teachers and they're able to bond so quickly and so Which genuinely. is actually, though, I <laughs> some of these bonds, though, that's for another episode because <laughs> that's, uh, that's crazy. Keep going. It's unfair, I know. But, um, <laughs> like, they are, it's so much more easier for them to get letters of recommendations, like, for colleges, oh, you know? Yeah. And, it, like, it breaks my heart because... I'm looking at my options for a letter of recommendation. I'm like, I don't even know them that well. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a thing. Like, just the fact, like, I wouldn't even feel comfortable. I mean, one teacher I had uh, laughed at my name when he first saw it, Great. so um. I can't ask him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm down to six. I'm down uh, to six teachers. Number two, <laughs> didn't do anything when I was racially harassed, so that's great. Oh, that's, yeah. Um... Or the other one uh, spoke over me when I uh, tried to assert my experience to the conversation. <laughs> I think the only options I have right now are my Spanish teacher and, uh, and my English teacher I had this year. Yeah. Or uh, not English, APLing. Yeah, but also, like, not to get too, you know, conspiracy theory or anything, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure to. We too. love conspiracy theory. <laughs> All right, then I'll go at it. But basically... <laughs> I think there's also, like, a money component to this whole thing. because oh, most definitely. Our sc- I think our school's very corrupt. Like, especially with these relationships with teachers and, like, the money of these kids' families. Yeah, it's insane. And it it's just is. things like that. Like, yeah, I don't really have the money to um, pay my way to have classes with my friends every year. Can't do that or get first come first serve to uh, the classes I want to take in the electives because that happens. That's not just our school though. That is everywhere. Every school. Yeah, wow. that's capitalism. Very true. It's great. Yeah. Um but another thing is like when you go into those classrooms, right? And you don't you don't feel welcomed when you have Oh, it's the worst. It's it's, it's not fun. 
No. And like, you know, I thank God that um, like universities and colleges are starting to allow like uh, your language teachers as uh, sources of letters of recommendations because. Oh yeah, it only used <laughs> to be core teachers. Right? Yeah, it's only like usually core curriculum sort mm. of things, but now they're allowing like languages as well, which thank God because the only teacher I can really connect with is my Spanish teacher. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah, definitely, like, the whole room aspect of it, it's terrible. Like, you know, the worst part is when you walk in late <laughs> to, like, a class of, like, Look at all white students. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so bad. Yeah, like, I know. That, oh, my gosh. And it's not bad for me anymore. Like, honestly, I don't care. But, like, in middle school, oh, my goodness. Like, that was hard. I, I've blocked out middle school. <laughs> no, I don't remember much, but from what I do remember... I blocked out the trauma. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's all, it all just came, like, rushing back. But it's also another problem, too. Like, I think back to, like, the first time I was called, like, the N-word or whatever right. in middle school. And I'm so grateful, actually, that my teacher had a black daughter because if she didn't... Oh, oh. Yeah. Nothing mm-hmm. would have been done. So I am so glad that that. But that's also the kind of thing like you can't even be comfortable in your own space because you're afraid someone's gonna like say it behind your back. Right. Which honestly, I would not be surprised if they still do. Oh, they must. Yeah. They. I th- I don't know why. I just feel like our class is really bad compared to the rest of the classes and um. High school, like the freshmen and the sophomores, uh, and the seniors that have already graduated, mm-hmm. they're not as bad as our class is for some reason. I try to be like optimistic, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm glad I met you because that's really good. Yep, I'm also glad. Um, backstory: Joman and I met in seventh grade. Yes. Um, puberty had not hit yet. It was not <laughs> great. Um, but um, we first met each other through, uh, what do you call it, mutual friends. Uh, and um, so we had a debate class in middle school. And I think that's when we started like really connecting because we um, became debate partners in there. Uh and like it was it, it was very like we weren't politically active at all at that point i didn't know anything about I, <laughs> politics i knew absolutely <laughs> nothing and then i was forced to like coming into high school <laughs> when things got traumatizing when things got traumatizing i was like oh i should can't be ignorant anymore yeah i do not have the choice anymore <laughs> um so and i we started becoming friends. I think we genuinely started becoming friends our freshman year of high school. Yeah. Uh, when we became debate partners in actual debate. Uh, and I think just talking to each other and talking about exper- similar experience we've had and experiences the other one could never have mm-hmm. is what really, like, made us bond and, like, understand. And I think every person of color needs a friend like that. Because oh, especially in in suburban schools. Suburban schools, like if you can't, cause like having someone that I can like call and say like, bruh, I'm can you believe what happened? Listen to this, and Listen you won't get this. like judged, cause like they understand, like they come from a place of understanding and experience. Like, 
that's just so important because it is your sanity yeah if you don't yeah you really need that especially since for some reason so many people in high school just don't take anything seriously which is okay to some extent like i'm not saying you have to take anything seriously but it's really nice to have like a friend who can <laughs> and yeah that's probably the only thing that would uh, get you through it it is literally a necessity <laughs> Maybe it's I, not like a necessity no, but <laughs> no it is a necessity you need a friend like that because okay true it's not great to just keep everything in like you need to vent things out and feel comfortable doing it or else like it's not it's not great it's not a good feeling oh but also this is another this is another um interesting thing about that i think is like I think on our journeys, <laughs> this sounds so dramatic, on our journeys to, like, figuring <laughs> out... To a better world. <laughs> yeah, like, figuring out that, like, we both cared so much about um, just, like, our own experiences and, like, how we can make our school better and stuff like that. Uh, the journey was rocky. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, for me personally, there were so many times when, like, being the only black kid in my classes, I felt like I had to act a certain way. Like or like be representation like a po- uh, yeah. positive representation or I had to definitely. know certain things like I don't know I had to know like quote unquote black culture or I had to you know act a certain way talk a certain way oh, think yeah. a certain way you can't yell or be aggressive in these classrooms like you can't you don't want to seem like a stereotype because you are probably the only yeah. person of color like it's not a model minority and the that yeah they will recognize or like they will see in their classrooms and you have to be the representation for your entire race and unfortunately it's very hard to fall into like this stereotype and unfortunately like freshman year and stuff i had a lot of energy around me that was like that you know right kind of a stereotypical energy and we didn't know how to raise each other up because that's not something I was used to doing. Like, I was never used to, like, having friends who encouraged me to go to class or having friends that encouraged me to just turn in that homework so you don't, like, fail the class. Like, I never had... Do you know what I mean? Like, even though you have family and stuff that tells you to do that, it really comes down to, like, who you were around. That's another thing, too. It's, like, especially if you come from an immigrant family, your parents know nothing about the American education system. They don't know how anything works. Um, Some immigrant families don't even speak English. So you're on your own with that. And to really rise above the rest of your peers is extremely difficult because Mm -hmm. you have absolutely no idea what you're doing but yet you are trying to set an example for your family and for the rest of the racial peers in those classrooms Mm -hmm. so picking off picking up where we left off uh, about AP classes but like sort of turning it into a different point Mm -hmm. is like the requirements for being in AP classes is a lot to ask of for POC. The crazy history of AP classrooms in our school is that, like, before 2000 and something, I want to say 8 or 2005, you had to qualify to oh be yeah. in AP classrooms. So if you didn't meet, like, a certain GPA or, like, honors involvement, you would not be allowed. Actually, no, I think it was honors. Like, it was honors and AP classes you would not be able to take them. Honors? Yeah. Hammond was talking about this. Like, if you didn't have, like, if, yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. You got to take a test. There you go. 
you're gonna take a test to get into AP classrooms, which was probably the biggest problem why a lot of kids didn't do it. But then when they realized a lot of kids, both black, white, and everyone else, was not taking the classes, you know? Yeah. They're like, okay, let's get rid of that. And then they added all this other extra bad stuff. But even now, it's like, in ex- at least from our experience, like in these classrooms, the opportunities we have to, ex- to get extra credit are very ignorant on part of POC. And I know like we might be the only POC that don't have these advantages as the rest of the classroom does, but you as a teacher have to be aware of every student, you know, not just the majority of them, but every student in your classroom. Like, you know how we had uh, AP Euro t-shirts? Like That was ridiculous. That is a $45 t-shirt to get extra credit. Are you serious? I don't think it was 45 but like... It, it was, was. They were that much money. Um, <laughs> But the point is, like, it was extra credit if you wore it on, like, uh, the exam. And that sometimes POC students don't have that type of money to just spend on an AP Euro t-shirt and get that extra credit that other students may have the advantage of taking. You know? Just like... Just like talking about in terms of Egan High School alone, um, the students of color are disproportionately less wealthy than the white students. So that's why I like we're using that comparison because we're just talking about our school in general. Right. um, Like statistically wise. Not that they're all broke. (laughs) Every single one. No. Um, But yeah, definitely that's a major issue. Or like when they said that to get extra credit, you had to. by the AP test by a certain day that frustrated me because I couldn't pay that my family we don't get paychecks so we don't sometimes we are grateful enough we do have money and sometimes we actually don't so like that deadline to get extra credit that's insane he gave us like four days for a deadline to pay like $120 because um you also have other AP tests you have to yeah, take. Yeah, I had two AP classes, so I had to pay, like, more than $100 or something on AP testing. Thank God I was allowed to pay it. Um, I was able to pay it. But there could be students in the future that Can't. don't get as lucky as I do. Right? And the fact that they even put a consequence on it, like, it, it wasn't even just, like, oh, right. hey, put the money, get two points extra credit. No, it was put the money, get two points extra credit, or take a hard final that will ruin your grade yeah like if you don't apply for the um ap test you have to take a final that will impact your grade which like it's not fair it's genuinely not fair because the ap test does not affect your grade whatsoever Mm -hmm. so so kids that can pay you know keep the grade they had well you know and everyone was like yes let's please have the extra credit and i remember like literally telling our teacher like this is not fair for students who can't who simply cannot afford that. Yeah. And he ended up pushing the date of, deadline. of the deadline. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe they thought that was actually... But this like, is the thing. When you don't have... <laughs> even just, like, getting rid of race. Like, if you don't even have, like... Yeah, because they're... Yeah. Teachers who have experienced, like, a different kind of lifestyle. Yep. Like, literally, that teacher that we're talking to is a millionaire. Like, he brags about it a He's lot. He's well off. He's very well off. Like, he, he's like, got my first million when I was whatever. <laughs> That's the kind of teachers we have. And, like, the fact that, you know, you would then tell a class that you need that. I don't know. It's just these experiences, man. You need experiences. Exactly. Because you, you can't exactly teach youth. 
that's exactly like just tying into POC teachers. They bring, they offer something that white teachers just can't bring to certain students to the POC demographic, or of even students. like honestly, like we do have some really nice teachers. Like I personally really like Mr. Hammond because although he is a white teacher, he's actually been around. Like. He's experienced a lot of different things. Oh, ignorance is completely an option. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. if we could even, like, even if they we can't change, like, the demographics of our teachers, you can at least change where you're hiring them from because just the fact that, ha- no, 85% of our teachers went to Egan High School <laughs> is the problem. Like, <laughs> they have the never fact that they're left. still in this community, like, some kind of, no, no that's not okay we need teachers from different walks of life or else we're not learning anything we're now being brainwashed and being taught and defended it's like it's just so bad exactly how are you going to offer students something like experiences and you know promise to teach the following generation when you yourself haven't experienced things that your students will experience is it just like a crazy like you have teachers here talking like Oh, say hi to your parents for me. You know, went to oh. class of eighty seven. I was like, what? Yeah, we went to class of eighty seven together. Still here, but it's kind of like that mindset too. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen the show. It's called like the Dome or something, and no. the, w- the town has a huge like force field over it, and they don't <laughs> know that there's other people outside. That's how my school is. That's how our school is. Like Egan centric. You would not know that there are other people living lives just as worthy as your own <laughs> outside <laughs> of the boundaries of the outlet mall. Like, come on. The boundaries <laughs> of the outlet mall. <laughs> that's, um, I think that's just, like, something we see um, in a bunch of, like, well-off communities because mm-hmm. students will upright, like, admit that they don't care about problems that don't directly affect them i yeah, remember kids are bold no i remember in my speech class uh last year there was a girl who literally said verbatim i don't care about things if they don't directly affect me yeah that's scary and i'm glad this one student said that is the whitest thing i ever heard in my entire life because it, it was uh and he's white too so like i was glad that he was she was he was able to call her out on that um because like how little empathy do you have to not address situations that don't affect you i think they just don't i don't know like i hate you know i don't hate anything but it's just really it's just such a a complex uh dilemma because why would they care about anything i mean think about it like they don't they don't have any friends who struggle with the things that you know other people struggle with they don't have any like real experience i mean i'm generalizing i don't know but there are other people who are privileged who feel empathy but i mean it also goes down to how you're raised like is there so many complex structures here as to why people don't or do care about things like i have to be honest with you if you had asked me that exact same question in like middle school no in elementary school when i did go to a diverse school and like i didn't really think of it different because there were people who look like me and if you said um what do you know about the lgbtq community <laughs> and what are you doing to help i would be like i don't know what that is and it doesn't affect me so i'm not doing anything what's the lgbt <laughs> gosh <laughs> but like now if you'd ask me that i'd be like just because i'm not part of a community does not mean i cannot be an ally right 
And it's just kind of like, you know, it takes an experience. It takes getting to know someone who is a part of a community. If you don't know anyone like that, sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss. That's very true. So you won't have a reason, and that's the problem. Because if our school was diverse and everyone was able to be exposed to so many different kinds of lifestyles, ways of thought, families. Here's another problem, though. Our school is beginning to have a lot of POC students come in. Yeah, it's getting at diverse. At a very fast rate. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is the students, the don't other like students, it. and those other teachers <gasps> don't know how to deal with it. When What's the, the second to last day of school, mm-hmm. when they had the freshman, when they had the freshman panel, and they said, um, "Oh, yeah, yeah," the freshman panel, they told them that they told them that um, the school was becoming a ghetto. It was becoming. Oh a ghetto yeah. Now. <laughs> and I was like, "That's really, f- that's really interesting way to put um, diversification." I've uh, never right. heard that term used becoming before. Normal, um, yeah, representing like, America. Oh, it's just—it's so bad. No, there are a lot of, uh, oh yeah, a lot of students, especially when there was like a lot of fights last year. Oh God, that I, that that one, that's a yeah, that's crazy. I want to talk about that. <laughs> I want to talk. All right, we're going to talk about the sort of epidemic that went down last year. Um, in school with a bunch of fights breaking out. And unfortunately, most of the fights were between POC students. students. Sadly. Sadly. Um, There hasn't actually been any that were as big as they were last year. There were a few fights this year. There were a few, but they weren't really blown up to last year's proportion. I was so torn. Like, it just makes me so sad. Right. Like, no, actually, there was... Yeah, it doesn't matter, but... It makes me oh, it's so sad because unfortunately, uh, we do have a stereotype, uh, just being ourselves, just being you know, yeah, a stereotype is put on our heads, and it just breaks my heart when I see so many PLC students fulfill that stereotype, which is hard not to, because sometimes that's where you feel like you fit in. I don't know, but here's the thing, it's a, right? It's a hard combo during those fights when you see like two black students that are just um, fighting and then have white students all around them watching, filming, laughing. It is a very, very sad thing. That's why, like, on the third to last day of school, like, a huge group of black girls started fighting and um, and go on the way to the bus and everyone stopped. They got out their phones and I heard one white student say to his friend, he says, he laughs and he goes, huh, why did they always act like this? Yeah. That's when I went up to those girls and I was like, people are watching you. You need to stop doing what you're doing, like, right now. Because uh, it's just kind of, I don't know. Be- what do you do? Here's like, the thing, right? Like, you try so hard to have, be a positive representation of your community. And it just it goes all down the drain. Because that is how they will always see you, no matter how hard you try. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know how, what what you do. I, I just get very sad. I, I know that there are a lot of Latinos that act like stereotypes. Literally, the entire okay. A lot of them act like stereotypes. Yeah. Um, and 
it has always irritated me and made me very very mad and i know it's wrong that i am mad at people who are perfect descriptions of stereotypes because that is the box they've been put into but it does irritate me because you know i want them to understand how mm-hmm. typical how america views them how white students view them how their white teachers are viewing them and mm-hmm. how that not only affects them personally but will affect how those uh americans those like white students and white teachers perceive every other person they meet that follows yeah. that race that is that race it's such a hard conversation too because like i don't know i sometimes have a hard time acknowledging the fact that i don't even know how to talk about this because it's it's crazy it's yeah it's like you know you see like students of color that have so much potential but just due to the climate due to the environment i mean like what else you know i mean you know oh i'll speak for myself here (laughs) but basically i don't have any friends at this school i have two friends me yes (laughs) and i can i guess i can understand how um like sometimes it's easier to just follow a crowd yeah uh i don't know high school like once you just enter those doors it's just laws of gravity just don't apply i just don't understand why it's like this i don't know um it no it is definitely easier to just follow a certain group of people that you can relate yourself with but it is also your responsibility to recognize what that is we don't have like any empowering figures like we don't have anyone to tell us like you don't have to fit into this mold like you can defy what they think of you or you can create your own i don't know and that's so corny but it's so true yeah like you you and i we are running how many clubs next year uh multicultural student union discussion club uh i'm co-president of women's empowerment uh debate captain next year Mm -hmm. uh like who is going to fulfill those roles once we graduate, you know? Yeah, who is supposed to be the role model for younger POC students who who don't know what they're doing, who also come from immigrant families that don't understand the American education system, that don't understand the potential that they can have? Yeah. You know? And, like, well, I mean... Some students recognize that potential too late. Actually, you know? no, it just came to me. I think I know why this goes on. Well, I don't know. But I've I have, solved racism. I haven't inkling that the reason this school i mean my dad used to always tell me he goes when you tell a dog it's bad it will believe it's bad or something like that like if you Um, completely like i don't know there is a actual study on this where if you label someone as a criminal they will believe they are criminal and they will start our school criminalizes students of color like Mm, school decision pipeline you can't go to the library being a poc without having teacher come up to you and say where do you need to be like you can't <laughs> or like you know you get caught on your phone in class as a poc and all of a sudden you find yourself in in school suspension right i was um i mean if you keep telling kids like if you keep treating kids of color a certain way i mean do they just start i don't know acting like it i don't know i hate saying that no, but they, i just don't they understand. do that it's literally like scientifically proved that if you are told you were something you will end up fulfilling that role um and you know that one 
uh, I don't know who he is, administrator that just likes go likes and goes around and harasses POC students when they're staying after school for something. Yeah. So I was after an AP Euro like review session. I was in a group of um, other students who were in that review session. Um, they were all white or Asian, you know, and we were all talking and that administrator comes up to us and it's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Like, like you guys can't be here, but was only looking at me and, you know, me being me. And, you know, I was like, oh, like we're just came back from an AP Euro review session. Like, uh, we're leaving though. We are, we're going, we're going out. And then we all just dispersed really quickly. And like, um, our friend, uh, he was like, wow, Bernie, you're really good. You, Because everyone else froze. Like, no one else knew what to say. And I was the only one talking. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just like, you know how to deal with certain situations that other people don't because you have to learn how to deal with those situations. And yeah. it was just like, it was, it was sad. I did not like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully next year, when we're seniors and we do have some kind of control i hope we can change the climate of our school and my number one like goal my number one dream for egan high school would be that every student felt like they could succeed in it and i feel like because it is a good school it's academically a very good school. it's a very good school. but a lot of kids just don't get that opportunity and i hope that through msu women's empowerment debate we need discussion to find club. I hope that we can, like, create spaces, create environment that will hopefully um, trickle to the rest of the school. We need to find a POC who can take on our clubs because uh, there is none. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully, a golden freshman will come out from middle school and take on the role. Yeah, well, as I'm we just very like, afraid because my sister's going to be going to that high school in a few years, and I don't want her to experience things I've experienced in that school. Yeah, well, as the show, you know, closes out, if you want to be a part of any of our clubs, <laughs> hit us Transfer up. Transfer to Egan High School uh, right now. No. <laughs> but, yeah. We need someone to take in those roles, but the... My biggest concern is um, who is going to be a role model for these students. Yeah, I I just I'm I'm really sad because there are students who don't even see being in AP classes as something as a possibility. Mm-hmm. They don't see taking honors courses as a possibility because they were never told that they were never told about their potential. And you know who knows if that's the whole like tell a dog they're a dog and. Uh, they're tell dog they're bad and they'll be a bad thing or if it's just yeah. the way teachers view students of color I just don't know what or it is, all of honestly. above yeah. you know I, I don't it's really hard when people ask you what can we do to change the school mm. because the answer is I don't know honestly the best situation which all of our friends did like <laughs> One time we did have friends. Uh, they all <laughs> left because they f- couldn't do it mentally, and I don't blame them. They had to leave. Right. Our friend group completely dispersed because they all transferred because they literally could not take being in that school any longer. And that is the saddest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to transfer for that reason. 
It is completely disheartening. But ending on a lighter note, hopefully by the time my sister joins, uh, gets to be in high school, the dynamic of Egan High School has changed. Mm-hmm. And I've already, I've already talked her into hosting our clubs when she's my age. So that's good. <laughs> It'll be fine. I've trained her. I've taught her well. All right. Um, this has been First Gen with Chino and Ajoma, and we are on every second Friday of the month. Want to support more programming like this? Rate, subscribe, and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Then go to www.listenupyouthradio.org and click Donate. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listen Up Youth Radio. Tell your friends. This episode was edited by Ari Shapiro. Thank you for listening.